0: On this episode of the Answers on Aging podcast...
1: Agent can only do things while you're alive. Mm -hmm. Once you pass away, hopefully you have made all of your assets payable on death or there's a trust so that someone else, the trustee or the new owner Mm -hmm. of the assets can now manage those assets and do things with it after the person dies. But you can't do it with the power of attorney.
2: Welcome to the Answers on Aging podcast. This podcast provides solutions to your questions and commonly faced challenges about caregiving, legal and financial issues, personal struggles associated with the normal aspects of aging and the unforeseen obstacles that oftentimes can be life-altering and even devastating. Each episode dissects real life, real-time issues and will often feature special guests who bring expert-level knowledge and free resources straight to you. This podcast is hosted by Certified Elder Law Attorney Todd Watley and Licensed Nursing Home Administrator Sarah Scott. Together, these aging experts bring an impressive combined 30-plus years of experience to the table in order to give you all the answers on aging.
1: That's right. This is the answers on Aging Podcast, and my name is Todd Whatley. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for downloading, and thankfully, I am here with my co-host, Sarah Scott.
0: Hey, Todd Watley, and welcome, everybody, back to the Answers on Aging wonderful podcast. Wonderful. It's so wonderful to bring you information every week about things you need to know as you age, or as you care for somebody as you age, and today is no exception, and we are going to be answering the question, what would surprise be about elder law and nursing homes? Yeah,
1: since I'm the elder law guy and she's the nursing home girl, we thought we would just kind of throw a varied array of things out at you today, but things that we think would... Surprise you and we did this topic on our radio show last week and mm-hmm. got pretty good response from it so we thought hey if it's good for the radio show it's good for the podcast yeah
0: yeah so um some of the some of the things that we talk about you've heard us kind of expand on in other episodes mm-hmm. but um and and you listen to that specific episode to learn more about that specific issue or challenge as it comes up and so today we're just going to kind of combine some of all of those things into what could be surprising to learn Mm
1: -hmm. yeah Yeah. um let's see number one we just have a list here there's there's no first you know best or last or, or whatever it's just okay number one um people are very surprised particularly in this may be a state-specific thing, but I will tell you, I do work in two states where one state, every nursing home takes Medicaid. Mm-hmm. The other state, not every nursing home takes Medicaid. The prevailing thought is, if I have to go onto Medicaid, my care will go down substantially. And I was told that by someone who is in charge of a Alzheimer's Foundation, who mm. does this day and night, and she, she she has a personal situation going on. And she said, I'm concerned that if my brother goes on Medicaid, his care will, he will get far substandard care. And I'm like, oh my God, no, wow. that is not the case. And so I think what will surprise you, and Sarah will go into detail, the staff that is treating your loved one or treating you in the nursing home, They don't know, nor do they care who's paying the bill. Private pay or Medicaid, they don't know, and they don't care.
0: They don't. I mean, very well said. It's as simple as that, but it's true. The staff have no idea, um, the ones that are providing the direct care, um, what your payer source is. And so the, the myth or the misconception of if my loved one is in a Medicaid nursing home or changes from private pay or medicare to medicaid for long-term care the the level of care the quality of care should not change and there are a lot of um, very specific rules in place that help protect the residents from being discriminated against due to payer source which is the biggest reason why 99% 99% of the time, the direct care staff have no idea what the payer source is for that particular resident. Mm-hmm. Unless I found out, um, usually if the resident is private pay, then the family have some at some point communicated that to the staff, usually in the form of a complaint, like, yeah. I'm paying $7,500 a month, and this is the kind of care that I get. So if the staff know about the payer source, it's typically that information is coming from either the resident or the resident's family, yeah. not the facility. Right?
1: They don't know, nor do they care. That's right. <clears throat> All right, so now a an elder law fact is that the power of attorney, which we've talked about a lot and probably just just about on every show yeah. because it always comes up. Please understand, that document dies when the person dies. Mm-hmm. So if I gave you, Sarah, power of attorney over me, you can do things while I'm still alive. But right. at the point of my death, you can't do anything anymore.
0: Yeah, that's and- People yeah. are
1: surprised by that because they're like, okay, dad appointed me as power of attorney. So when he dies, I can make sure all these things don't. Nope. Mm-mm. Not under the power of attorney. So it's crucial that you understand your agent can only do things while you're alive. Mm-hmm. Once you pass away, hopefully you have made all of your assets payable on death, yes. or there's a trust so that someone else, the trustee, or the new owner Mm -hmm. of the assets can now manage those assets and do things with it after the person dies, but you can't do it with the power of attorney.
0: Right. And the power of attorney is a completely independent document from a trust. If a trust is in place and it doesn't mean just because you're a power of attorney for mom or dad while they're alive, that you're going to be the trustee of the trust. So, just know those are two completely separate documents that are not dependent upon one another. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Two different things. Yep. Yes. Okay. So the next thing um, you might be surprised to learn about in uh, the nursing home field is that the administration, the upper management truly want you to be happy. You as the resident, you as the family. Mm-hmm. And so... So many times in you know working through the nursing home, I would have families that would come into my office and say, "I hate to be a complainer, or I've I've been meaning to say something, but I just didn't want to cause a fuss or be that squeaky wheel." Um, but these are my concerns, and please don't hesitate to verbalize your concerns so that they can be addressed and that they don't m- turn into something bigger than what. They really should be.
1: Yeah, I mean, they need bed filled, beds filled. They need their reputation to be good. I mm-hmm. mean, they want you to be happy. Yeah, And I think the, the fear is, well, if I complain to upper management about this CNA or this nurse, they're always going to be on that nurse's side. Mm-hmm. Well... They are to a point because they need nurses to work there, but they, they also, I think just as much want you to be happy and need you to be happy so that you stay there. And so they are not going to be adverse to you. They, they want to know if there's a problem because they want to fix it.
0: Right, right. So don't hesitate, verbalize your concerns and please believe that those upper management positions, those people in those roles should truly have yours and your residents' best interests at heart. And if you meet if you are met with some resistance, there are other channels that you can look into to try to help resolve issues. And
1: there's a whole podcast on that. A whole
0: podcast on that. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um I think one thing that will surprise you people think of lawyers as you know living in big huge fancy houses and driving fancy cars and therefore they have to charge a whole lot of money and this is not universal I will tell you this it it frustrates me but I will tell you that a a an elder law attorney who is looking out for your best interest should present you with low cost ways to solve your problems. Mm -hmm. And we can solve your problems very cheaply and very thoroughly without you messing up. And so many people think, well, I'm just not going to call an attorney. I'm just going to do this myself because I do some Google research or whatever, download documents on your own. And it just, I promise you, it causes so many problems. Yeah. Please seek the advice of a good elder law attorney who is looking out for you. Like in my office, you come into me, you've done no estate planning, you have two children, you trust them, everything's good. We can do probate avoidance, which probate, there's a whole podcast on that. But probate is expensive, it's time consuming, and you should avoid it, I Mm. think, in almost all circumstances and you can avoid that very cheaply like yeah. in my office I would tell you do payable on death on your bank accounts mm-hmm. your investments let's do a deed for 350 that says at your death this house or any real estate goes to whoever you want it to go to so you've avoided probate which could cost tens of thousands of dollars You've also not done a trust because not everyone needs a trust. You've avoided probate. You've done exactly what you want to do and gotten everything to your kids for $350. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's to some people that is something, but it's, very inexpensive compared to the alternative of you messing up, you mm-hmm. you not doing it correctly, and going through probate is going to be somewhere between five and ten percent of your estate. Mm-hmm. So even a simple hundred thousand dollars, that's your home, that's your bank accounts and everything, if that goes through probate, you're gonna spend somewhere between five and ten thousand dollars to do that. I just avoided all of that for $350. So please don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call a good elder law attorney, particularly one that you know is looking out for your best interest. Mm -hmm. I I will tell you, if you walk in and the first thing out of their mouth is you need a trust without knowing anything about you, go see another attorney. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Soapbox. Soapbox. A little bit. Okay. So up until this point... Um, Just the adulting life, whenever we are looking for a new house or looking for an apartment, there's a commitment, okay? You're used to signing a year-long lease or a 30-year mortgage or some type, even if it's month-to-month, there's some type of agreement kind of locking you in to that location to live there. You should be surprised to know There's not a contract for how long you've got to stay in the nursing home once you get there. And I'm going to take it just a step further and let you know that when you are in the nursing home, if you have an unruly or incompatible roommate, you're not stuck in that room. You can absolutely and you should request a change. And if, you know, you've tried all these troubleshooting approaches and nothing's working, you can go to a new nursing home. It's not that difficult. Once you've got your foot in the door or your head in that bed, it's a whole lot easier to transfer to another one. Mm -hmm. You've done that before. You've gone through the process. You know what to expect. Um, you know what to avoid. And so you're not locked in. You can leave at any time. There is no contract. How can you predict how long somebody's going to live? Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, I think people are surprised. You know, they're like, well, I'm I'm just stuck here now. No, yeah. you're not. If you mm-hmm. don't like it, re- respectfully complain. Mm-hmm. You know, state your concerns. And if they just don't solve your problem, mm-hmm. say, you know, we're voting with our money and we're going somewhere else. Yeah. So yeah. You can do that. You sure right? can. Um, my goal as an elder law attorney, and I think most elder law attorneys should be this way is our goal is for you to never go to court. And wow. that always surprises people when I say it in public, because people think, okay, lawyers, court, lawyers court, TV lawyers court. Mm -hmm. No, you should never go to court. Okay. And it is our goal in the two types of court you can go to is during your life. There's guardianship court. Mm -hmm. And that's where you have become incapacitated. There are no documents in place like a power of attorney or anything. And Someone needs to make decisions. You can't appoint that person because you are so far incapacitated. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole nother podcast, Mm -hmm. but you truly cannot sign new documents. Therefore you need a guardianship. Our goal is please. And Sarah knows she, she does my initial consults typically on the phone and she knows everybody needs a power of attorney. Anyone over the age of 18 needs to do a power of attorney. People put it off and put it off and put it off for a whole lot of misconceptions or misunderstandings. But please understand, if you'll do a power of attorney in all but very limited circumstances, that will avoid a guardianship. So that's one court you go to. The other is probate. And Mm -hmm. we just talked about that. It's very easy to avoid probate because you can make every asset that you own transfer upon your death to whoever you want it to go to yeah at your death with no other process. Just producing a death certificate means that bank account is now theirs. Mm -hmm. So therefore um, you can avoid probate very easily and you need to get the advice on that so that you don't go through there. And so if you can avoid guardianship and probate, your life and your, your family's life is going to, be a whole lot easier and cheaper, yeah. you, you're not going to waste a lot of money on court because court is expensive. Court is time consuming. And the other thing people don't understand is sometimes court is unpredictable. Yeah. Okay. Sarah's married to a, a PI lawyer who they go to court and they don't know what the jury's going to do. You know, they do their best, but you throw it out there and it's like, Did we win or did we not? And so you just never know, and I do my best to make sure my clients never go to court.
0: That's good. The fewer surprises as we age, the better, I truly believe. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Unless it's on Christmas or birthdays. Um, Okay. Don't you wish so bad that, like before you start dating somebody or get married to somebody you can view their track record and find out okay what have you done wrong what 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 are your skeletons really you can is. actually do that with a nursing home really yeah wow you can how well <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> You can find out what their track record is by reviewing their survey or inspection results that have to be posted or available in a general public area. Mm -hmm. And um, they're usually going to have the last... 12 to 18 months worth of surveys and inspections Mm -hmm. they can be kind of um challenging to comprehend and really understand what everything means Mm -hmm. excuse me but in general it will show you what they got wrong um and what they did to fix it and how they're monitoring those plans so you kind of have an idea of certain programs or processes that they have in place to help make sure that those same mistakes don't happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can be more aware of that and, and watch for those things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And if you're, you know, <clears throat> I would definitely recommend you do that, go to that piece of paper and, and, <laughs> ask the staff, where do I find that? And they, they should tell you. So if you've narrowed it down, that is the nursing home you are thinking about going, definitely go do that. When you're earlier in this process and thinking, man, out of all these nursing homes, which ones are better or worse? Uh There's a really good um, site, medicare.gov has a, a, tool where they've gone in and they've given ratings to nursing homes. And part of those ratings are based on state surveys. And so as a way to kind of narrow down the vast number of cases out there to two or three, go to medicare.gov and it's pretty clear on there somewhere about nursing homes. And then you can put in your zip code and it will show nursing homes within that zip code or close to that zip code so that you can go through and just see their ratings. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, there have been times when nursing homes, I did not like from personal client experience. They're like, I don't, like this nursing home we were not happy and they would have a 4 or 5 rating. Yeah. And I'm like Ugh. Yeah. and there's been some nursing homes that have had a 2 or 3 rating and yeah. the the family loves it they're they're yeah. super happy. So that is not the end all no decision <laughs> Just understand it is based on things that are pretty accurate and pretty substantial, but just because someone has a two or three rating doesn't mean they're terrible, yeah. but it's a pretty good tool to say, okay, fours and fives, I'll go there, I'll meet them, and mm-hmm. if something turns you off or you just don't like it, try two or three and just yeah. see if they just had a string of bad luck mm-hmm. or there was a bad director of nursing or just something happened to drop the rating, but they fixed it and they're yeah. trying to get better. Yeah and you can well go through that. and
0: definitely, but also keep in mind how incredibly high the turnover rates are mm-hmm. with staff in nursing homes, especially, not just the direct care staff, but within mm-hmm. the um, administration as well. So if they had, like Todd said a horrible track record for the last year, take note of what those improvements or what those mm-hmm. changes are that they made. And then, you know, ask some questions to the administrator. So mm-hmm. were you here when all this happened? And mm-hmm. you know, you can, I, I say put about 50, 45 to 50% of your decision-making um, checklist items or into that rating. five-star rating. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what was the rating of your nursing home?
0: It was a five. When I left. Very good. Yeah. It's like a two when I started. Good job. But okay. I had a great team. Yes, you did. I had a great team. You can't team. do it by yourself, but no, yes. but it is not a one you're person You're the leader job. of the
1: team, so yeah. good job. Thanks. I would not have asked that question if I didn't know the answer. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's about That's all of my elder law. Yeah, I think
0: one thing that I would like to challenge the listeners to do is if you have worked with an elder law attorney or had been in or had a loved one in a nursing home and there were things that surprised you that we didn't cover, Mm -hmm. let us know. Give us feedback. We love to um, connect with you, the listeners, and really want to have that feedback loop.
1: I will say one thing real quick that just came to mind. I am, you know, when I was not an attorney, I always had this mindset of attorneys. I don't know if it came from TV or just opposing attorneys that were Mm -hmm. just really mean and nasty. Mm -hmm. A a lot of people do go to law school because they like to argue and they like to ruin people's day and just, (laughs) you know, just be a lawyer, okay? But I have learned, you know, going to the National conferences and stuff. Elder law uh, attorneys who become elder law attorneys tend to be a different breed. Their personality is more Uh non-controversial. They want to help people. They're very down to earth.
0: A lot more approachable. A
1: lot Uh more approachable.
0: And they should be.
1: Yeah, because this is a very personal type of law it's it's very non-controversial it's very huggy and uh-huh. solving problems and tears you know like every one of my conference tables we have a box of tissues because yeah. there's a lot of tears lot shared of tears. during our meetings and and so I will tell you if, if you have this mindset of attorneys scare you and it's like oh you know every attorney I've known has been ugly and nasty uh-huh typically elder law attorneys tend to be very approachable and nice and you know just a different breed
0: yeah yeah well and i'm definitely
1: that i I am not controversial i can be ugly but i don't like to be and i love to just sit down at the table laugh solve problems Mm -hmm. cry when we need to cry but just solve problems
0: Mm -hmm. that's right just a big teddy bear (laughs) A big, smart teddy bear. Thank you. Trying to get smaller. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, So that really kind of wraps it up for today's episode of Answers on Aging. As always, we are so happy that you chose us to listen to and want to encourage you to keep listening, keep sharing, and tell as many people as you can about how helpful and educational this this information is that's
1: right thank you very much and we will talk to you next week okay bye
2: thank you for listening to the answers on aging podcast with todd and sarah be sure to hit subscribe and keep tuning in each week as they bring you helpful useful and easy to find resources for making life as we age as simple and enjoyable as possible for more information about this episode visit answers on aging Click on the show notes tab and take advantage of the free resources right there at your fingertips. To see Todd and Sarah live, check out our Facebook page, Answers on Aging, to catch a live feed of their radio show every Wednesday morning from 9 to 10 o'clock. Todd and Sarah welcome feedback and love to answer your questions. So please, let them know what you think by leaving a review and share with your friends and family.